Broadcasting live, weekday mornings, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. And we're actually on time. What a, what a concept. <laughs> Good morning. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. It's exactly 10 o'clock, actually, uh, Central Time. And this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We are going into, in two days, it'll be two months since we have our call-in line available. I think we hold the record. We're going to be put on a bulletin board there at Frontier Communications. So, every few days I call. Where's the one? They're working on it. Well, I think it's just a patience thing. You know, God, be patient, Patrick. Learn how to be patient. We put a, a great video on our front page a few days ago from Varus Ahmad, all about how to do a wheatgrass. It's right on our front page. Now, we haven't done wheatgrass for, I don't know, it's been 30 years, when back in the hippie days in Whole Foods. 40 years, right? In the 80s. And so, I, you know, I hear from Varus that whether or not you're a carnivore or a omnivore or keto or vegetarian or vegan or whatever, uh, that... Um, Wheatgrass is a pretty cool thing to get into your body. It tastes probably the worst food ever, so if you can get that part. So we bought all the stuff, and we're going to try it. It's been, like I say, years. So if you're going to play with it, all of the uh, instructions are on the front page, and we'll see what we'll see what we see. Trial and success is what we do around here. See what works, see what doesn't. If you throw up, well, then you just don't do it anymore, I guess. Or you could be detoxing, who knows? So that's on the... On the horizon, Adam Bergstrom will be here tomorrow on the third Wednesday. And this morning, an interesting fellow indeed. His name is Dr. Randy Weissong. So, excuse me, I got sidetracked there for a second. To communicate with Dr. Weissong and Patrick, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. That's the only way to do it. As the phone line is still out. Okay, Randy Weissong, uh, he spent a long time uh, practicing as a veterinarian, a DVM which I, is really cool because I've heard from many people that veterinarians know m- more about the human body than medical doctors. I think they're right. He has 13 books, a lot of scientific articles over the years. He does a newsletter uh, once a week or so on his website. You're going to love the title of his website, as if thinkingmatters.com. <laughs> That's great. You got to love that. And... Um, well, we'll have a lot to talk about. And so let's say hi to Dr. Weisong, who's in the great state of Michigan. Good morning, sir. You're looking great. Nice to see you. Oh, you too. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Michigan. Oh, lovely part of the world up there. Earth up there. Very green. Uh, lots of nice water. It is. A, it's a, has some rough spots in terms of weather in the middle of the winter and middle of the summer, but falls and fall and spring are really, really nice. Uh-huh. When did you um, hang up your veterinarian stethoscope and go into these things? Mm. Probably 30 years ago or so. Wow, 30 years ago. So I, I, I practiced for about uh, 15 years. I mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. was in Colorado for a while. 
Then I moved back to uh, Michigan, to East Lansing, uh, where Michigan State is, where I went to school. I taught uh, human anatomy and physiology there and uh, origin of life classes and started a practice there. And then I moved to Midland, which is in the middle of the state, and started a practice here, where I am now. And then I transi transitioned into um, nutrition, uh, clinical, and and uh, therapeutic uh, product development and so forth. I see. Uh, we developed a, a, a food processing plant in Wisconsin, and uh, we had we have food processing plant uh, here in Midland as well. And I've kind of uh, transitioned out of that into more just research writing. Hmm. And uh, two of my, my children are, are the primary runners of the business now. Which is Lysong, your brand. I, I recognize it. In my, yeah, it's yeah. been around for a long time. And you're in a lot of stores, a lot of natural food stores for sure. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I think uh, I got out of it just as the internet was really coming uh, alive and uh, Amazon was coming of age and so forth. And uh, so my understanding is that's the majority of our ac activity now is, is through the internet, through, the through internet. Amazon and yeah. other outlets. Mm. How, how close are we humans to the the wolf, also known as the dog. <laughs> I don't. I don't see much difference. <laughs> you don't than, really. I guess you know mentally, intellectually, uh, as far as we know. I mean, we they may have, uh, you know, they certainly have things up on us in terms of senses and so forth. Mm -hmm. But uh, anatomically, physiologically, biochemically, we're identical. Really. Well, not not a dog is not so much uh, suited to omnivore, although they, you know, they can they can be kind of an omnivore, and there are some uh, pets that are even being fed uh, vegan. Really? Yeah. So I, I'm not sure that they fare very well in the long run because um, that's that's not how they're they're designed, and and I think we have to respect that intrinsic design they're carnivores yes do all the did all the dog like the dog i have golden doodle who's lying here one of my best friends my best friend she's great uh -huh. she's lovely do, do all these dogs these doodles and golden retrievers and who knows there's thousands of breeds did they were they at one time wolves and i mean if you would look at their their genealogy are they yeah, that's that's my understanding. It wow. was just a matter of selective breeding and so forth that separated all these off from a Chihuahua to a St. Bernard. It's crazy. Isn't, isn't that it? beautiful? I mean, so, how they So they would change yeah. their shape of their face because of maybe weather or diet or whatever. Yeah. Wow. And you notice through all of that, uh, they're still dogs. They're still dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't evolve. Yeah. They just varied. They had it within their genetic potential to be, to have that kind of variation. Genetic potential. Where we humans, well, I guess we do too, don't we, Doc? We, 
we've kind of evolved over. Well, you can see all the the varieties of of humans. Sure. You know, we we still are still all are humans, though. So. Yeah, but mm. Uh, mm. there is there is quite a bit of variety. Yeah, and when you think about it, just you no two people alike. I mean, you can stand on the busiest uh, wow. street corner and watch hundreds of people pass by, and not any two are alike. It's a it's amazing. Alike spiritually, emotionally, that, that, that goes, everything, everything. It just goes back to you know this you know the genetic uh, capabilities is just staggering. You know, just more information than we can even comprehend. So genetic capability staggering. Give me an idea of what you mean when you say that. Well, I mean, just uh, let's see. It's been a while since I've, I've I've gotten into the details of this, but just the the amount of information in DNA in DNA is uh, yeah. Just uh, I can't remember. I think it's the DNA of all the DNA in your body were uncoiled. It would stretch to the sun and back several times or something like that. I mean, it's just uh, staggering. And what is DNA just information? Just yes, it's D, it's it's information, and that it, and it's uh, surrounded by a cloud of switches, which are called um, epigenetic molecules that can turn uh, uh, different genes on and off. And it's one of the ways that that um, people can adapt uh, to, or not just people, but any creature can adapt to its environment. It can switch on genes that make it more suitable for that particular environment or, mm-hmm. or turn off other ones. So it kind of goes uh, against what was thought for years, and, and that is that um, DNA cannot really be altered, and it, and it kind of fits in with the Russian Lysenkoism, where they used to think that uh, if you did a lot of bicep curls your whole life, you know, your your son would would have bigger would have biceps. Bigger muscles, so it turns yeah. out that that could be true. It could be. I mean, that, could that, that stuff passes on. So that's information in the DNA that maybe the son has a propensity. Do you think it would be just because he wants it, or do you think there's something physically that allows him to grow more muscles easier, more easily. Well, it's that epigenetic, those epigenetic switches. I see. Are, are, have been turned on and they are passed through to the sun. Oh, I wh- see. Which, which, which trigger, you know, more bicep growth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's a simplistic explanation. Yeah. But well, we're pretty simple here. We like to talk about talk about things like we're a young child or a golden retriever. That's how we make it through the through the day, Doc. So it's great. Sure. Um, that's cool. So that would be an argument for some folks on a negative side may have a propensity to be alcoholic or have a more... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they still have free will whether or not they want to drink. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, medical model people run the idea that cancer is a genetic thing. And we've talked to a Thomas Seafried. I don't know if you know him. He really way up there cancer guy. And in LA, he was on the show and he said it's not. He said it's not a genetic thing. It's a 
it's a lifestyle thing, you know. Yeah, an environmental, environmental. Uh, impact. And I think that goes back to what, what I mentioned earlier about how dogs are a, 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 are are suited for you know what for what they were originally designed as you know carnivores and that one of the things that i try to i've always tried to um well let me back up and say that when i w- was trying to figure out nutrition way back when mm-hmm. and in run and when i was a veterinarian i was in the throes of modern medicine and all of the stuff that was dumped into me during medical school and and <laughs> so forth, but uh, I, I you know I came to I came to realize over time that um, just that we are uh, we're programmed to live eat as if we were in the wild. I mean these modern circumstances are totally unnatural, unfamiliar, and our stresses uh, compared to what it would be like in the wild. We, we are mm. designed to be naked in the wild, eating what we can find without fire, and that's the way we survive. So that tells you what is the ideal food. The ideal food would be what you could eat you know, from the wild in its raw state. Hmm. and survive and that uh, simplifies it all i mean hmm. today it's very difficult to do that for a variety of reasons but that's the model that's the prototype that people should think about when they're thinking about how to live how to exercise what to eat whether they should be in the sun or not whether they should be barefoot outside or not you are supposed to be naked in the wild <laughs> And surviving. Surviving. And the way you do that is is uh, doing the things that I just mentioned. So when we humans decided to, I don't know, grow wheat and grow rice and the whole thing, and I guess it goes back what about ten thousand years or so. Does it does it um, change our body in a way to make it easier to digest and live on these? grains, if you will, or does the body always hang on to the original thing, carnivore, or, or a few berries, or whatever we get out there in the wild? Do you understand what I'm asking? Sure. Yeah, I, yeah the original design is still there. The original genetic program is st- programming is still there, but there is flexibility in that and capability or a potential within that genetic uh, uh, programming. Mm-hmm. that allows these epigenetic switches to turn on or turn off. And by eating grains, uh, your body, you know, starts switching on genetic information that helps you digest, assimilate, um, and utilize uh, these unnatural foodstuffs. You know, basically, uh, uh, grains are like a survival food. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? That, yes, that yeah. The original food is, like I said, what you can find in the wild, eat raw, and survive. Well, you can't, you can't survive eating grains in the raw state. You can't survive eating soybeans in the raw state. They're toxic. Yeah. So are, so are the grains toxic in their, raw, in their raw state because they're not 
they don't really want to be eaten. You know, they've got, uh, they're imbued with, with toxins to try to uh, yeah. stay alive so that they can propagate more wheat and more soybean plants and so forth. So there is a plethora of, of toxins in, in, in the plants. Like my feeling is that it seems like the only, the only plants that are really designed to be eaten are those that are benefited by you eating them. Like for example, fruits with seeds, Hmm. you eat the fruit. If you swallow the seed, it passes through your digestive tract. Uh, may start germinating in your digestive tract. It passes out, is ready to grow a new one. And uh, so um, everything else, anything that needs to be cooked, cooked is not a natural food. We're the only creature on the planet that cooks food. That should tell us something. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of wolves with a cook stove out there. You know, I just don't see no, it. I don't no. see, not, not a lot of Home Depots out there for them to buy one. <laughs> But way back there, hasn't there been an argument, Dr. Weissong, somewhere along the line that when we started cooking our food, I think we did a show on it many years ago, that our brains actually got bigger? Was that just made up, that that, that idea? Um, if anything, I think that we have devolved, <laughs> not evolved. Wait a minute. If you, go back, if you go back historically, way back, uh, you can find uh, bigger cranial Really? Sizes. Wow. Yeah. More healthy dentitions, even more teeth. Huh. Most yeah. people way back when all had wisdom teeth right. that were functional. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of part of the, the nature of the world. We're all subject to the second law of thermodynamics, which is the, the, the slow degradation of everything. Everything runs down, including us and our genetics, over time. Right. So the uh, it's the opposite of the of evolution, which is uh, is which is uh, one of those false ideas that that I've run into and explored extensively. Well, it feels like it's possible to change the whole degradation thing to building just by our state of consciousness. I mean, that's what I feel. Of course, I could be crazy, but I feel like I'm just creating a new body every moment by what I think and believe to be true and doesn't have to necessarily age. Well, I, I think that that's, that's true to agree, and I think that should be something that we should be trying to do. Yes. You know, try to... Uh, offset this inevitable degradation that does occur, and we can can forestall it. You know, I believe so. One of the things I do is I I work out. You know, I work out every day. I play competitive sports, hmm. and I just stay at it. Even though, um, I probably some people would say I shouldn't be doing some of that stuff at my age, but it's it's the stuff that makes me feel alive and. Right. And and makes me still capable physically and so forth. Good for you. I'm so with, I'm yeah, with you. I think that that's yeah. physically that's something that we we should be doing in terms of that spiritual growth. That's certainly something that is not subject to the second law. That's something that we can definitely develop over explore time as we and see see where it goes. 
Well, that's what we're right. experimenting with because I, you know, I think there's something to it. So, but how, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe 60. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to numbers, you know, and you, you've written about some of this stuff, numerology, all this stuff, that if there is a, if there's an energy, my experience, Dr. Wysong, is there's an energy around all numbers, right? <clears throat> so, just my experience, that if, if I believe that, um, having the number 77 or whatever the number is. We've seen so much in our life that says when you're 77, right, then you should look like this, you should act like this, you should be like this, you can't do this, you can do that. And you see it in movies and books and, you know, novels and everybody. And that's ageism. Yeah, it's ageism. And that ages the body yeah, if you believe you're that number, right? I mean, it's got to. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it kind of is, is aggravating to me because I play uh, pretty, um, what do I say, intense sort of sports, like I play two-on-two beach volleyball and competitive badminton and pickleball. And <laughs> uh, people... Almost, you know, I'm playing with people in their 20s, you know, right? sometimes in their teens and competing with them and so forth. And they, <laughs> they can tell I'm older than them. And so often people will, will come and ask me how old I am. I usually tell them 28, you know, yep. <laughs> and I say, well, you know, geez, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pretend I'm, I'm not old when I'm playing sports. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. really like to even talk about that. There's a gravestone I, I saw. Well, it was a it was a cartoon or whatever. It just said uh, he was old, so he quit. So he that quit. Was the, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And that's that's the thing that we've got to try to fight not to do: is stay stay in the the game and uh, live. You know, as as um, as much as as we can to the fullest extent that we possibly can. And that, and that sends a signal to our body. I think you so. Know, an epigenetic genetic signal. This guy wants to keep living. So we can you know, do that. Start, right? We can do that. Yeah, so you start settling into a couch and starting to look like the couch pillows yourself. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's, your body's going to say, oh, this guy really doesn't want to live. Right. And it, then the degradation really sets in. I agree. I agree. I think, it feels to me like a lot of people leave like the gravestone. They... They leave their body at a whatever age just because they they kind of quit. You know, they just kind of, you know, there's nothing to do. I know my dad left five years after he retired. Just, you know, he was he was a young guy. But he, he didn't have anything to do. You know, he didn't have anything to do. Yeah, that's dangerous. Wow. <sighs> that's, that's, the, that's the worst thing for me. Yes, sir. Because if I have a time where I, geez, I really don't have anything to do. You know, and that's just, you know, or nothing that's uh, intellectually challenging or whatever, or just, that's that's a very dangerous time for me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm out in the woods. We, we burn wood uh, to heat the home. Do We've you? got an outside boiler. We pump the hot water from the boiler into the house, and I'm out in the woods. We've 
had a uh, uh, a um, ash borer disease here that's basically decimated all the the ash in our in our woods, and we've got quite a, quite wow. a big wooded area. Wow. So I I'm out logging, you know, and uh, every day, you know, I try to get out and and do something, get in the fresh air, get in the sun, do it barefoot as much as I can. Yeah. And lift the logs and chop them, split them, you know, just, that's, that's life. Yeah, that is yeah. life. What's your water source up there, Doc, in Michigan? Well, oh, we have a well. I thought you were going to say, well, <laughs> no, well. <laughs> I thought there was something coming. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and you can. It's pretty good. Good water with the the mineral component. You you go with yeah, it. like six hundred feet down. Yeah, mm. so it's it's really good. It's very nice water. Do you know the TDS total dissolved solids of it? Uh, not right off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah we we've had it tested, tested at some time. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You heard at the onset of the show. I'm going to experiment and make some wheatgrass, but. So now I'm thinking, if we're out in the wild, we don't have the stomach to digest grass, right, like cows do. So the only way we could consume it is to do what we do is, I guess what we do is and you cut it and then you put it in a juicer, and, you know, you juice the wheatgrass. So you think we could well, be... Well, when you're, when you're... Go ahead. Excuse me. When you're doing wheatgrass, are you, you're using... Uh, you know, using wheat sprouts. Oh, wheat sprouts, of course. Yeah, sorry. Well, duh. Yeah. So those those are you know those are just loaded with enzymes, loaded with nutrients. Ah. And uh, you you could you know if you could get enough wheat sprouts, you could chew those up and still benefit from them. And I'm I'm sure in the wild, you would be experimenting with things like that. Yeah. If you were naked, barefoot, you know, <laughs> in the wild. <laughs> I read sometime long ago that they actually. The Roman soldiers, at one point, that's all they did was give them a little bag of wheat. Yeah. And they would just chew on yeah. it. That's what they lived on. How? What's that about? Yeah. How's that possible? Yeah, and march hundreds of miles. Yeah. And wield yeah. heavy swords and battles yeah. and carry armor and, oh my God, I don't. Well, that's why they lived to be, what, 17? <laughs> was it? Was, they didn't live a long time, huh? No. Yeah. And they'd also knock no, out their just, teeth. They were just living off of the vitality of youth. I see. And that vitality of youth is a very deceptive thing because that's the thing that makes people believe that they can continue to live just like they did when they were kids and teenagers. Eat like they did as mm -hmm. kids and teenagers, and and they'll be just fine because they were fine as kids. But the youth is so resilient. You know, and so uh, every everything is so fresh and new and capable that it can just cover a variety of sins. Yeah, just choose things up, right? And, but as as we get older, yeah, that that doesn't hold true. Yeah, you can go to Burger Doodle, and the kids two hours later will be hungry. You know, I mean, what's that about? It's like, right? It's just, man, pop potato chips and yeah, and French fries and. A, in a burger and just be just ready to go play football basketball 
Well, Dr. Whitesong, for me, I can only speak about myself because we're all different, but I find myself, um, I have to be really more and more careful about what I do eat with each passing week and month yes. and year. Do you, do you resonate with that? I really have to be. Oh, oh absolutely. Okay. That's, that's the main thing I notice with age is the amount that I can do. Not that I can't do some things, but the amount that I can do. You know, if you do a lot of repetitive things, you'll start, you know, wearing on your your joints and and muscles, and plus you're fighting uh, uh, the the muscle wasting, the sarcopenia, as it's called, that happens as you get older. <laughs> it's just a natural loss of of muscle mass. So you've got to, you know, you've got to continue, particularly doing weight-bearing exercises to try to mm-hmm. keep that up, keep keep muscles from wasting quite so fast. But still, you're you're going to be limited. So what I what I find is instead of playing a sport all day long, I I play just a certain number of games, or I'm going to pay pay dearly for it in the next few days. <laughs> is that right? So yeah. yeah, so I do, you know, I. I I learned to limit the amount of everything so that the body has has time to recover properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a weight a weight kind of protocol called uh, X3. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's variable resistance, <clears throat> and so you're you're actually just using elastic bands. Right? I think I can show you a picture of it. Yes, pretty cool. And uh, I really like it. You know, I've been doing it about six months, and I have more muscles today than. I've ever in my whole life, Doc. And it, well, and, good for you. And the variable resistance is interesting because, um, let's see, here's a picture of it. Because you don't, you never take the, see the picture of it, you never take the, yes. um, what do you call it, the pressure off of off of uh, the muscle. So you're going up, right? And then you're, say you're doing a, a overhead press, and you do this, right? And then, and then you bring it down and you still have, pressure you never you know it's not like barbells where you go up like this you know and, and drop it so you never then let it fall yeah 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 and and you That's never get eccentric concentric exactly. yeah, movements but you don't get sore i can do and, it every and, day uh, i can do it every day well one of the one of the advantages and i huh. use bands too one you of the advantages you? of bands is is that as you uh extend the, uh, the movement uh the the resistance is greater yes as opposed to at the lower part, right? You know what I'm saying. Yes, so sir. you're you're increasing the resistance at the end of the movement, which is where you have greater strength. Yes. So so if it were the same through the whole range of that movement, you would not be stressing the muscle like it could be strained. You need to because it's always need to stress the muscle at the more at the end of the movement. Yeah. Not at the beginning. No, that's so. See, that's, like for example, if, if you're doing squats, yes, if you, if you do if you do a squat and you go down, the the weakest part of the your your weakest at the bottom of that squat. You know, if you if, if, whereas as you as you lift up from the squat, you're far more powerful at the top part of that because you're engaging more muscles you know your your mm-hmm. glutes and your back and mm-hmm. and your your thighs more and so forth so by using the bands you're able to 
you increase the resistance at the point where you have the greatest strength. Yes. And so that's, that's I think, the advantage of the bands. The bands. And they also have us do it and have us recommend that we do these, whether it be the biceps or triceps, until failure. Just keep going as the, say you're doing the high jump, the high, and you do this. After a while, you can only go a little bit. That's it. You know, it's all you can do. Right, or you you can do the the eccentric movement, so that you could you could get the you try to even force it up to the top. You can maybe try to you're pushing it up, but then you yeah, drop you your just, knees a little bit, so you got it up to the top. Yeah, and then just allow it to come down slowly, and you're still you're still working still that there. muscle. You know, Are there any? Way. Is it maybe a dumb question of the day? But would it be just protein and animal foods that? help promote muscle building? Oh, yes. Protein is, is the big one. Mm-hmm. Protein is the big one. You know, like the... Uh, 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 whey is, is an excellent protein source. You know, you like whey protein? Concentrated and mm-hmm. got the right uh, blend of amino acids that help uh, stimulate muscle growth. Um, eggs, of course, is like a perfect protein. Yeah, those you can mix. Those you can mix in a shake and do them raw. Yeah, uh, you know, raw, uh, cage-free. The good uh, stuff. Yeah, the good egg. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the bodybuilders over for many years have used a, I guess it's amino acid called creatine. Do you have you ever messed with that, or do you think it's okay to take that? Some lab-made creatine. Yeah, I. But yeah, I would. Those kinds of things you can do, but I would still try to focus on the food. On the, yeah, the whole foods, the mm-hmm. the more complex uh, spectrum of of nutrients, and then you can add some of these other things to it. You know that that uh, have been proven. Like there's a lot of research behind creatine. Is there? And, and various singular amino acids, but uh, d- don't get too far away from, you know, our natural design. You yeah. know, we're, we're designed to have a, a variety of of amino acids, and that comes from more whole-type foods. Yeah, yeah. Doc, stay right there. I'm really enjoying talking to you. Thank you for, c- sure. for coming on. Too. Dr. Randy Weisong, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. We support ourselves here uh, by promoting products and then we get commissions on the products that's how we get get our our little thing keep going and do the house payment and over the last six months we have um, really had a drop in um, in product sales you know for 15 years has never had an issue and then six months ago just and our, our listenership and viewership is up and and you know we keep growing. So something else is going on here. Maybe people don't like me anymore. Or <laughs> just kidding. But you know, I think they're having a hard time with uh, you know, with inflation and buying stuff. So there's just a point of this is if you care to donate to our little thing, our little show, if you enjoy what you hear, we have our videos on BitChute and our audios on one radio network. You can sign up and do a ten month, ten dollar a month thing or twenty five, whatever, one dollar a month, whatever you want to do. But it's good to exchange value for value in this world. Uh, I believe it 
we should we should always exchange something of value. So if that resonates with you, uh, please go on One Radio Network and and uh, and support us and keep us going here. Um, so this is a good uh, place we could plug this a unit. It's called X3. I use it every day now, uh, just like uh, Dr. Weissong was saying. And you could do how many body parts you want. I mean, you could do, sometimes I'll do biceps and triceps and um, calves and shoulders and, you know, and it, uh, it doesn't take too long, usually 15, 20 minutes to do as much as you want in the day. But you can do, you know, you can just, and you can increase the band size and that just increases how much juice you got to put towards it. And they come with about five different bands. So it's really quite an interesting um, setup. And it's about 500 bucks. And you can you can actually finance it and um, over 12 months. And by the time you pay for it, you'll, you'll have muscles. It's pretty cool. It's X3. It's on OneRadioNetwork.com. Four years ago, in August, we came across um, a technology called molecular hydrogen. And we've been breathing the molecular hydrogen gas and drinking the water for four years now. Uh, there's something to it. I mean, you can, there's a lot to it. But you can go to Molecular Hydrogen, Hydrogen, if I can say it, institute.com or org. It's one of those. And you'll see a wide variety of studies. Most of them are from Japan. Japan seems to be the, the, the world or the Earth's leader in this hydrogen technology because they're just into it. And they make our machine that we sell called Holy Hydrogen. Um, and you can go on our website. They make this machine. It's made in Japan. We think it's the finest machine out there, the purest uh, hydrogen gas that we know of, food grade. And you can make two quarts of water. And hydrogen is a food. It doesn't kill anything. Or I get emails all the time. Well, if I do hydrogen, will that get rid of my parasites? No. You know, parasites is a whole other story that we can talk to Dr. Weisong about. But no, it's just a food. It's just energy. Hydrogen comes, it's the most prolific molecule in the universe, whatever that is. It's the number one thing. And I believe, this is my theory, that hydrogen molecule is the first molecule when God said, let there be this or that. I think that's the first one. It's um, on both sides of the periodic table, hydrogen, the only molecule, and uh, it's, so it's, it's powerful, so you can breathe as much as you want. Uh, again, it's not going to get rid of this or get rid of that or cure this or cure that. It's just going to help the body get stronger and healthier, and then the body will figure it out, in our opinion. So check it out. It's on our website. It's called Holy Hydrogen. Use promo code one radio, and you can, uh, you can get you this for, you, for yourself. One radio on OneRadioNetwork.com. That's the promo code for the hydrogen. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're having fun talking to Dr. Randy Wysong. His uh, website is, um, um, I have it here. Wait a minute, I had it written down. I got to pull it up again. I got it. Hold on. I got it. I got it. I got it. Well, you tell me your website. Okay. As If Thinking Matters. He's got 13 books. As If Thinking Matters. Um... So, I want to ask you about your perfect person for this. In the last 
eight weeks or so, everybody and their brother on, on the internet, all kinds of websites, good, bad, and ugly, have been pushing this idea that they want to put mRNA vaccines into cows and chickens and pigs. I'm sure you've seen this. Um, the best indication is that not too many people are doing I think they've been doing it in pigs um, for three or four or five years. But just the term mRNA, um, is it dangerous to kind of connect this to the mRNA technology in these injections and get all crazy about giving animals vaccines? Um, yes, I've been, I've been studying that yeah, myself. Yeah. Mm. I am, I'm concerned, uh, about any manipulation, unnatural manipulation of the food supply. Yeah. So I'm immediately suspicious, particularly when it's being done by the same uh, culprits who put forward the vaccine and, uh, against a virus that uh, doesn't exist, a disease that doesn't exist, deaths that did not happen. So... In the in the wake of all of that, hmm. I'm not very inclined to um, like the idea that they're now trying to screw around with the food supply. Uh, it's hard for me to to say. You know, I guess if they're putting it into the animal, and then we eat the animal, is somehow that mRNA going to get into our body and start manipulating our genetic material and escape? the digestive process in our own stomachs and so forth. I, I don't know. I mean, it's because, because this, this thing is so crazy. The whole COVID thing is so crazy. It's just enough to make everybody suspicious of everything, of pretty much everything. Yeah. Yes. And, and they should, they should be. Yeah. And it's, it's a good time to be inquisitive, curious, suspicious, all of those things. And that hopefully will drive people to start, Start looking, researching, learning, and that can, that can only help. Well said. Well said. So you're a vet. I mean, you were a vet for a long time, and um, yeah, you have all these puppy vaccines. What are some of the things they give these pu- puppies uh, um, for? What What are some of the conditions? Hepatitis, Hepatitis distemper, distemper, leptospirosis. You know, parvo. Uh, yeah. You know, when I when I was in practice and I was in the midst of of you know I was drinking the Kool Aid fully. You know, I, I did everything like a good little doctor and <laughs> did all the vaccines. Vaccines were a big part of of the income of of our practice. You know, back then, and uh, so that that I found to be a a motivator, which I really didn't like, and. Uh, I guess if I had it all to do over again, if there were any way possible, I could practice and not charge anybody for anything and uh, just do it on a kind of a donation or volunteer basis. That's yeah. That's the only way I, I would want to practice. I mean, it's kind of like the way that you're you're doing your program. You know, you're, you're, you're doing a labor of love here and you're hoping that people will help support you and, uh, and they're free to do so or not to do so. That's... That's a you know it's a wonderful way way to, to be and it's um, 
I wish more of the medical field would, yeah. would do that now rather than to be so inclined to just be chasing money. Is there any way for you to tell with all your experience that all these little puppy vaccines that they give before, if you go to a breeder, they have to do it, I guess. I don't know. Um, that they get into us and could possibly hurt us in any way. I'm, I'm sorry, not the puppy, but the cows and chickens and stuff that they give. Do we... Do we really know? It doesn't seem to affect you and I and other people, and we've eaten meat our whole life. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. Well, it has not been the, uh, the, the no, so much of the genetic te- technology, although they have been injecting pathogens, even though they're modified or mm-hmm. killed in the vaccines. Um, you know, just if if you go back, if, if you go back historically and look at uh, vaccines or chemotherapeutic agents and how they've uh, what they've done, I mean, people, there's a common idea that all the great plagues were solved by vaccines, yeah. by by modern medicine. And if you if you go back and you you look at the the rise and fall of things like tuberculosis and polio and measles and diphtheria, whooping cough, and so forth, you'll find uh, a chart where the, the, the disease is up here and the disease starts to decline. It goes down like this. And then, then the vaccine's introduced. And then, and, then it, and then it levels out. You know, it levels out like, well, you can't see me on the screen. That's but, right. You know, so it's a, the decline of the vaccine, you know, 90 or so percent of that vaccine is uh i'm, I'm having a tough time doing anything with my finger on this because it's the opposite of what i'm looking okay. at <laughs> okay but i mean i could describe that you know these diseases you know they they were uh prevalent in a, on a graph they were up high they started they started to decline naturally and then when they got down to where they were starting to level out that's when the the vaccine and the chemotherapeutic was introduced. Mm. So these these the great plagues were not solved by modern medicine. That's a, that's a great misconception, but it's prevalent. There's probably not one doctor in ten thousand who realizes this. Yeah, because it's just the way we've been trained. You know, I mean, we're we're so trained. You know, we're we you know uh, you know. Classes in virology and bacteriology and microbiology and parasitology and all of this stuff is disease oriented, you know. And there is something to it. I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about the enthusiasm that someone, some have, that it's all terrain. Um, just from my my experience uh, in school and in practice, like for example. Um, I might have an animal that has an infection. Mm-hmm. Say it's it's something in the mouth or it's uh, uh, something on the skin. So I would have the ability to just take a swab of that and and uh, streak that on a petri dish, which is a a culture medium, mm-hmm. and and then you put that in an incubator and you let it grow, and you can see growth of stuff on the the culture medium there could be fungus and various things on there and so forth but 
when when you've got that on the medium, you can take then uh, antibiotic discs. Well, you can also you can also pick off parts of that culture, put that under a microscope, and you can see the actual bacteria. You know that they're uh, you can't see viruses, but you would be able to see the bacteria and identify are they gram negative or gram positive, and so on and so forth. But then you can on that that culture disc dish you can then place little tiny discs of antibiotics or chemotherapeutics onto the culture disc and then you incubate it and then you can see in some areas on that that culture disc that there was no growth that the growth was inhibited so if you take that that disc and say that disc is for was amoxicillin which is kind of a derivative of mm-hmm. penicillin. Mm-hmm. And you give that amoxicillin to the animal, the animal gets better. Right. It knocks, it knocks the, the, the infection away, the, the disease away. The, the, so I, I'm, I'm certainly more inclined to think that, you know, fungi, parasites, um, uh, uh, bacteria, uh, are can cause disease than I am viruses. Sure. Viruses are a different animal entirely. They're, they're something that you can't see. I can't see them under a microscope. I can't culture them. It's it's. I have to believe it's there. Yeah, it's a belief. A virus is virus. a belief. On the bacteria thing, let me let me ask this. You know the whole crowd of show me the virus. There is no virus. You've you've probably seen them. Lanka. Cowan, Kaufman, yes, yes. all those people. And we've interviewed them all. Mike Stone, a lot of them, uh, the Baileys in, in uh, New Zealand. <clears throat> they say, they argue, this is their position on the bacteria, that the bacteria is healing. That's what it's doing. It's healing. It's what? Healing. <clears throat> it's healing damaged tissue that was caused by toxicity, stinking thinking, or bad food, or whatever the animal was weak and the bacteria is trying to eat up the damaged tissue that's what it's doing that's what they argue and that if you give an antibiotic sure it will stop this process but you are stopping the healing process and the animal gets better but you've only stopped the healing process and that little whatever needed to be healed is going to pop back up again they say this is what happens with people with pneumonia, right? You give an antibiotic, it stops the healing process because the bacteria is trying to eat up the damaged tissue in the lungs. That's their argument. Well, pretty interesting. Um, well, yeah, that that might be true, but I believe it's also true because I have actual experience with it that that I can. I can do the process that I just told you and have an animal that was chronically ill with some kind of thing, call it infection or whatever it is, and and do what I've I've suggested and give the antibiotic that was indicated by the culturing, and that animal gets better, and it stays better. No, I understand. Okay. It, does, it, uh, it stays better, but for how long? I mean... You don't stay with an animal four, five, ten years. 
Who, you well, know what I'm yeah, saying? Sure. I mean, who's, the, the who's healing, to know what happens? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who's to know? Yeah, who's to know what happens over a long, a long period? period? With an animal, it's a, we're, we're talking a little bit different with an animal because you're talking lifespans of 12, 15 years. With a human, you're talking 70, 80, 90 Right. You know, there's, there are so many more potential consequences of uh, improper therapeutics at a young age. You know, I, I think basically any, almost any medical intervention in, in a human is going to yield negative results over time. Yeah. Why would it be different in, in canines? Just, just time. You know, they're, they, they're, they only live, you know, 12, 15 years, and they start, you know, they start aging, you know, like 8, 9, 10, you know, and, you know, we don't really start aging till 40, 50, you know, mm-hmm. so. Fair enough. Uh, Dr. Randy Weissong is with us, Patrick at One Radio Network.com. If you have a um, question, uh, just jump on in, Patrick at One Radio Network.com. Your work is uh, tied in a lot to just kind of exposing the big lies, right? The big lies, you know. So, what do you think? Hang the, on, hang on, just a second. Yeah. Before you move on, <laughs> let me let me talk about this virus thing again. Okay. Because I've just spent the last three years in this COVID. Yeah. Bullshit, if you will. Yes, yeah, sir. And uh, think about it this way: with the, with the COVID situation. All of a sudden, we hear about this disease in China. And in like in a matter of weeks, all of a sudden, it's popping up in Italy, so forth, around the world. I remember you know? the Italian thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and before long, supposedly, it was everywhere, you know, everywhere in the world, and it was threatening the whole planet and so on and so forth. So I, I have a, a lot of trouble with the notion that a virus can spread like that, that quickly, for one thing. And then you have all of the the detail from the experts that you've mentioned in terms Mm -hmm. of virology, showing that the virus has really never been truly isolated and identified. You know, what they they show on on electron micrographs that supposedly is a virus, it's, those are more likely just normal cellular things, microspheres, exosomes, endoplasmic uh, spheres, uh, so forth, that can look on a, on a, um, uh, on a, on a, under an electron microscope, just like the supposed um, virus. The virus that people are seeing with all the little uh, prongs sticking out of it, that's all computer yes. graphics. Yes, you know, just like the Earth is computer graphics. You never see the Earth, a real true picture of the Earth. It's all computer <laughs> graphics. So uh, so anyway, the uh, uh, so they're just, uh, you know, the, I'm, it, after, after looking at that and then studying the patents that they had for vaccines for this, vac- for this virus, uh, years before this so-po- so-called pandemic ever happened, there were patents for elements of the of the vaccine. So I, I just don't, uh, you know, because you can't see the virus, 
because everybody's uh, scared, uh, afraid of the virus. Oh my gosh, remember, it might be the Spanish, like the Spanish flu that wiped off out the whole world, which in actual fact, uh, most of the deaths in the Spanish flu were a result of people feeding handfuls of aspirin to people. Is that right? Yeah, I've heard that. We, yeah. yeah, yeah, just, I mean, that was an, an indication because of the amount of, of fever that was going on back then, of course, not to mention the poor nutrition that was occurring you know, at the time of World War One, you know, people were surviving on pieces of bread, yeah. you know, and, and so, but anyway, so the, um, just, you know, there's just nothing that adds up so, uh, in terms of, of reality, but there's no reason that someone, if they wanted to create a pandemic, could do it without any virus whatsoever. All they need to do is create a test that gives false positives, which the PCR does, yes. PCR test does. Uh, make a computer graphic image of a scary virus. Talk about it coming from a place like China, our enemy. And uh, t uh, show all the deaths that are occurring, which turn out to be nothing but deaths from the flu and everything else that already was occurring, not from any kind of a new virus. So it was, it was, in, and then, so, so there's just nothing, I can't, I can't see anything there that is true. Nothing at all in this pandemic that, that is true. And the vaccine supposedly is, was preventive, curative, whatever. And now, now they're admitting that it doesn't prevent the disease or it doesn't hasten or, or hasten your recovery or anything like that. So. Um, and the deaths that we're now seeing, I think, are directly related to the vaccine. So that's yeah. not just what I think, but kind of a consensus of opinion now. A lot of evidence, too, that the remdesivir and the ventilators played a part in all Sure, that yeah, the death sentence. Wow. And the, the amount of money the hospitals got for doing that. Yeah, it's crazy. Was it $150,000 if you can kill somebody Something, with yeah. uh, ventilators and remdesivir? Something like that. I mean, it's hard to believe that uh, the medical establishment there to pr you know protect and and help us could could be involved in something like that. But the power of self-interest and money is just so overwhelming. I guess I don't. Know. Yeah, appears to be. Okay, I didn't mean to distract. No, no, you. that's you all right. Were, no, that's okay. But I mean, just it. just the idea that there's a real good chance, in my opinion, but nobody listens to me that this whole thing was a psychological operation, that there was no virus. They didn't need a virus. No, there was, and there's no proof that it came from some lab. You know, I think that's all a false flag too, Doc. I think it's just all made up, this lab-made virus. Yeah. Well, it's, on a, it's in a computer. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 you know, they put together genetic material in a computer and called that's the sequence for the, yeah. for the, uh, for the COVID virus. But that's, that's a computer-generated virus yeah, just sure. like uh, uh the pictures of the earth are computer generated computer generated wow that's really something when you think about it they did this whole thing was probably just a psychological operation and they pulled it off they pulled it off yeah wow and then once once it gets going yeah once it gets going the money to be made not only by the vaccine manufacturers mm-hmm by, by the mask manufacturers and 
and the destruction of small businesses so that that business is, is shunted into the big boys, you know, the big corporate interests. Yes, sir. Just, and once all of that is steamrolling along, like anything else, once, once money comes into play and people's jobs are dependent upon it and so forth, how do you dislodge that? That's what's going. That's what's going on with with the government right now, and with so much and that's wrong with the world is that it's things get going, money flows into it, people's careers, reputations, prestige, ego are tied up in it. It's almost impossible to dislodge that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's going to be dislodged. In my opinion, it's going to implode, and then we're going to start over. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, that's kind of my dream. I just hope that the <laughs> imploding and starting over is as easy as possible. It's too messy, right? I it's, mean, I, I it's I, messy. You know, when you go back historically, you know, the there's a lot of of big civilizations that have have existed for a lot longer than us and went under. Yeah, they know, they went under. Atlantis, Lemuria, a lot of them. Just Rome. I mean, Rome, sure, Rome. You know, just yeah. yeah. The Sumerians, the Babylonians, the you know, just on through history. Yeah. What what happened there? They got too big for their britches, or they didn't got out of touch with God? Do you think? And uh, they they got out of touch with their own conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm I don't like to fall back on on the notion that we're moving along because we are or are not in accord with uh, a, a religious thing, but rather with our creator-given conscience yes, sir. and our own sense of ethics and reason yeah. yes. and, and uh, interest in truth. Those are the things that, that should be moving us, not any belief system. This this belief and faith thing just drives me nuts. I just did a newsletter just a little while ago <laughs> you? on that. You know, on on. Uh, let's see, I can't remember the title. It was uh, uh, oh the the cause the cause of all human misery, basically. And and what it is is I uh, and I said that the cause is religion, but not just God religions, but secular re- religions as well mm-hmm. as well. And religions are belief systems, faith systems. They're not founded in truth, uh, reason, natural law. They're, they're beliefs. Maybe they were, they were started because of, of some kind of agenda, because of, of the flow of money, careers, whatever. But once, uh, once belief and faith takes hold of people, you know, all bets are off. Yeah, because because uh, I don't know. Just uh, change changes only it changes only possible if it's easier than habit, and people get habits and they adhere to those habits. And those habits are entwined with belief. And, and belief is entwined with ego. And you don't want to let a belief go. It'd be like cutting off, you you know, yeah. you can't. Yeah. It's like cutting off an arm. I've argued with people like, uh, uh, 
like on Quora, you know, I'll I'll answer a question on Quora or I'll pose a question on Quora just to bait uh, <laughs> a particular audience, you know, and then I'll answer it. And, and uh, you know, I've done that on the evolution creation controversy. I've done it on COVID and I've done it on religion and and on, on health, nutrition, so on and so forth. And what I find is that just rarely do you have anybody say, oh, geez, oh, that, that was a good thought. That's I, interesting. I'm going to look into yeah. that more. <laughs> no, they just they just beat the hell out of me. <laughs> That's right. You know, just ad hom attacks calling me everything that, that <laughs> is, you know, it doesn't matter how, I'm, I mean, it's amazing, you know, I can just present you know, a nice reasoned argument. I present the facts. I give the evidence, and and so forth. And they'll come back and say, you know, you are so stupid. You know, get out of here. You know, or you know, just <laughs> I know it's just terrible. Terrible. That, you know, once they once they have a belief, have a faith, and that's what happened with COVID. People have this belief and faith in the government, the belief and faith in the medical system, the belief and faith that people could not be that evil. And those were all wrong beliefs. Yes, sir. Being proven today. I was I was musing about that this morning that the more I look at it, because I've studied the financial system for many years, 25 years, I understand how that whole game works because I had a mentor. But these people, whoever they are, they know exactly what they're doing. This whole thing is very well, in my opinion, crafted and laid out with the financial system and the central bank digital currencies and everything that they're doing, you know, with 5G and chat GBT and AI, they know what they're doing. They may drink a lot of scotch and be, you know, lunatics, but they know what they're doing. They have a plan, in my opinion. And they're going to try. Yeah, it does seem to be pretty well orchestrated. Yes, sir. And, it really does. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they are... Uh, appealing to the things that work you know uh, belief faith mm -hmm. fear mm -hmm. uh, these mm -hmm. are the things that that move non-thinking people yeah hence your website as if yeah. thinking matters yeah. i think yeah. please I, live as if thinking matters you know i think the biggest challenge is for me i love to study this and i look at it in my inner life is that we humans have spent so many lifetimes believing that when we are just doing something and the mind is turning, right? This is that and this and that and this, that that's thinking. And that's yeah. not thinking, in my opinion. Or we're going to school and getting a degree. Yeah, and, and they thinking. teach you, you know, they like they, you know, they taught you in veterinary They teach you things, not yeah. how to think. Not how to think. So all this AI thing, I think is the biggest scam, Doc. It's not intelligent. Oh, my God. It's just a database. Yeah. That's all it is, right? It's just a computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just just the uh, um, the hubris. Yeah. That, that, you know, I've done uh, I've done a lot of a lot of research and writing on on the origin of life, evolution versus creation. creation. Yeah. And. Uh, um, there's just no evidence whatsoever that life can arise spontaneously. Okay, none. Humans, all of this, all of the labs in the world working on it for whatever, they have never been able to create life in a lab. If they create anything 
that is living, they're always starting with living things. Yes, sir. And then they're calling it, oh, they've created a new cell or a new organelle or a mitochondria. They're always starting with pre-existing living things. Living things. Yeah, yeah. They have never created life. They have not created life. They have not even been able to cure cancer. But yet they're going to create AI creatures that are going to take over humans, (laughs) that are going to be the same as humans. There's no, you know, there's, you can't, you can't put self-awareness and free will into a computer. A computer is only what you make it be. It's only going to be, you know, the input you give it. It's not going to be creative. But they are, you know, that's, that's, and I hear uh, Musk talking about that, about the, they're going to implant things in the brain and start having you do this or that. Yeah, just show me you can create life. Show me you can cure cancer. Then, then let's talk about how good you are at turning us into, into robots. I, I'm, I'm just very impatient with that because it just shows, but, but you know where it begins? It begins in this materialistic, evolutionary, scientism mindset that has swept the world since Darwin in particular. That that we're we're just uh, wet we're just wet organic electronics. <laughs> you know, we're we're complicated rocks. <laughs> you know the it's just just naivety that none of them have re- they've just assumed that evolution is true, that life arose spontaneously from inorganic matter big, way back big eons bang, of time ago. Big bang or Even though they can't they can't hmm. duplicate it with all of their intellect. Hmm. Somehow just a sludge in the prime primeval pond on earth was able to put together life. And there, it goes against so many scientific laws and so much experimental science that that simply cannot happen. It goes against natural law. Natural laws are one of the truths that we can hang our hat on. And truth is what we should be after, not not these phantasmagoric ideas about um, what humans are capable of doing, and that uh, that we have really no free will. That that when we're dead, we're dead. We're just going to return to atoms because that's where we came from. Um, that's not happening. So, that's not happening. No, no, but uh, they, they've got most of the public. I mean, the public is who do we? Well, they're you know people are are so bedazzled by what's going on on a computer and in their video games. Oh my God, anything's possible. Oh, and and Musk is putting can put a car into space, and he's going to go to prop you know populate Mars. <laughs> I mean, it's it's he's, it's all nonsense. He's a piece you know, of work, isn't he, Doc? He you know, is. there's one thing. If I just might mention, Go get ahead. into cosmology just a second. There's one thing that I think that, aside from the fraud that is evident with the whole uh, modern cosmology NASA thing that we're being fed, um, other than the fraud that that can be shown that so much is just CGI that that the things that they're showing us are just computer generated, is the fact that supposedly we're on a planet and we have an atmosphere. And that atmosphere is 
under pressure. It's called atmospheric pressure. It's what we breathe. And outside of that atmosphere is space, which has no atmosphere, correct? Right. That's what they say. And that's and and so what spaceships supposedly do is that they they go through our atmosphere, they get into space, and then it's it's home free because they there's no wind resistance. They just get it up to speed and then just goes whatever direction they want it to go and they end up at the moon or at Mars or wherever, okay? <laughs> the fact such a fairy the fact tale. Is, That's a fairy. There is no way that you can have an atmosphere under pressure next to the vacuum of space. Yeah. Where is it possible? Where's the dividing line you're saying? Where's it has to be in a container. The only way you can have pressure, according to the second law of thermodynamics, Boyle's laws, and everything we know about science and gases and vacuums, you can't have pressure, gas pressure, unless you have a container. But they don't say we have a container. They say this. They say the atmosphere is nestled right up next to the vacuum of space. It's just like if you blow up a balloon, that balloon is all under pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's more pressure than the air in the room around you. If, you. if you're holding the nozzle to the balloon and you release that nozzle, all that pressure in that balloon just escapes into the air, just equilibrates into the air. So the problems this presents for them is that if there, if there cannot be an atmosphere and a vacuum next to it without a container then they would if they're going to go into space they're going to have to penetrate the container they're going to have to penetrate the walls of the container whatever that is whatever it is if they penetrate the walls of the container they just pricked the balloon and all the atmospheric gases on earth would escape and we would all die uh, uh, do, you, do you see the mm. I mean, is that something you've already mulled over Oh, that, that yeah, concept. Uh, quite a bit. Now, I don't know yes. what this container is made out of, you know, the so-called... No, I don't either. I don't either, but, but it's there. But just taking them for, for what they say is there, it's nonsense. You can't have space next to uh, a, a gas under pressure. Yeah. And that's the reason that, that lots of people are quoted, you know, to people from NASA and elsewhere just say that they keep saying, well, we, we have not been able to figure out how to get past low Earth orbit. Well, why would that be? Supposedly, everybody they're going to the they're going to be going to the moon. You know, Musk is going to go to Mars. He's got a car up in space. Sure, no problem. Have you ever? Have you ever? <laughs> uh, speaking of Musk and uh, St- uh, Starlink, or what's what's his Starlink, space the, program called? Uh, Starlink. I think it's Starlink. Email all the satellites. Or, for no, the, no, no. That that's his uh, SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX. Supposedly is uh, satellites. Uh, oh. SpaceX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched his his uh, rocket go up and then land back? I have down. I have. Now you tell <laughs> you tell me these rockets are a long you know a long spindle, weighing I don't know how many tons you know hundreds of tons or whatever, and it shoots up in the air, and then it cruises around, it does whatever it's going to do, and then it comes back and it lands right side up <laughs> on an X on a raft in the water. I mean, no way. It's just, it's 
hard to believe that anybody could watch that and think that's possible. That you could, I mean, there's just no possible way a, a configuration like that could happen. And, but anyway, and, I, and, and even I don't the speed at which it goes up doesn't even make sense, right? I mean, if you had billions no, of, no. of, it would, right? You know. Yeah, right. But the landing, the landing back The landing down, part, yeah. And all they've done is basically reverse footage, you know, of the of launch the sure. to show how it's landing. <laughs> Boy, these days with CGI, well, anyway, Doc, that's... there is so much. We have no idea. I mean, they're really getting good at it, right? I don't know if you've seen some of yeah. the some of the things where you can put uh, another person's face, like on your face. You could put yeah. You could put Tom Cruise right. right on top of you, and you would not know that you weren't Tom Cruise. And I've seen them do it, and. You know, oh, I know. I've seen that. It's yeah. a trip, boy. It's like really yeah. spooky. So they can get world leaders out well, there the and they can cause a that, whole war, though, right? They can do make their own little war. What is it? NASA's getting something like uh, 70 some or $80 million a day. I mean, yeah, so I, I think it's $26 billion, $26 billion a year, I believe. Yeah, so I think that reduces down to 70 or $80 million a day. Probably. So yeah. think of the amount, the number of people who are supported by that and want to see that keep going. They don't, I don't care, you know, they don't care what is discovered about it, that it's not true. They just want that job. They want that gravy train to keep going. So it's very easy oh, yeah. to, to overturn that. But this whole space thing goes again back to this, this original uh, was basically a counter to religion. When religion was the government of the world, it was the oppressive dictator. It was the tyranny. Hmm. It was the illogic, the re unreason. It was the inquisitions. It was the crusades. It was the witch trials. And so you, you had this, these uh, thinkers that thought, well, that's not right. You know, the, and, and so they just kind of retracted into this notion of once uh, 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 Darwin came along and, and, and his cohorts that developed the whole natural selection evolution idea that, oh, I see, well, life could have just arose spontaneously. We are just a chance thing. Hmm. And uh, it's just uh, by accident that we're even here. So that that whole concept that we are just an accident, that materialism is is the god, evolutionism is the god, scientism is the god, forced the a concept other than the Earth being the center of the universe, which was originally the way it was the thought way it to was. be. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they they come up with this whole cosmology, you know, with solar systems and galaxies. And, and things spiraling through space. Supposedly right now, we're traveling, by the time you spin the Earth, you, you rotate it around the Sun, you rotate the, uh, uh, the solar system around the galaxy, and then you gyrate the galaxy through the universe. We're supposedly traveling at like 3.8 million miles per hour right now. Oh, right you now? I. I don't, That's what we're being I told. I don't feel that. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel but but in any case, that's that's something that they had to come up with mm. to counter the whole notion of creation. What they 
they thought that the only alternative was just to not have a creator, but to devise this spontaneous creation from just matter itself. And what they did is they threw the baby out with the, the bathwater. Yeah. The bathwater was the religions. The, the baby was the creator. It was, there is definitely a creator. That's provable scientifically. But uh, so my point, my point is the whole cosmology thing is just is <clears throat> nonsense is just again a reaction um, to um, or, or just a way to reinforce the basic underlying philosophy that we are just a product of chance collision of atoms yeah. way back zillions of years ago. We came from nothing and we end up nowhere. Yeah. We should do a whole show sometime on the, your, let's maybe come back sometime, we'll do whole creation and evolution thing and really dig into that. All right, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be fun because I, I love speculating about that. We're going to do another little break, Doc. Stay right there. Patrick Timpone with Dr. Wysong. Um, come on in uh, and uh, ask him a question or a comment. Patrick at one radio network.com. We have uh, this product that is on sale again, uh, not again, but is on sale ongoing. I think we have maybe um, 10 more days. This is a great product. It is from Elk Velvet. And these elk grow these organs. Literally, these, these uh, antlers are organs. And then they drop off, and then they, it's like you and I dropping off an arm and, and growing a new one. Pretty interesting uh, stuff. It's been with uh, these cervids that they call uh, oak, uh, elk and moose and deer. They do it all the time. So they get the velvet off of the antler. They don't give them drugs or a tourniquet, and uh, they're farm-raised. And this has been used as kind of an elixir since the beginning of time. You may want to get some, and you can get it on sale right now, 20% off. Watch this. Before I start my work day, I like to get my workout in. It makes me much more effective throughout the rest of the day. Now, one of my favorite supplements to use in conjunction with my training is Sir Thrival's Elk Antler. These are sustainably and humanely harvested from US free range animals. Now, what's interesting about elk, deer, moose, all these animals we call the cervids, is they're the only mammals who have an organ that actually falls off and regenerates every year. These elk antlers grow out in just a matter of a couple of months. In order to grow like that, they need growth factors, steroidal compounds that cause that rapid growth. Those can actually be harvested, freeze-dried, and put into solution that you can actually utilize in your own body. Now there's been a back and forth history with this being banned for doping in professional athletics. Currently, it is legal, except that it is really rich in IGF-1, which is a banned substance. Now, of course, this is a natural substance. This is not a steroid. But when you look at natural substances, you won't find anything more powerful than elk antler for recovery, for lean muscle growth and maintenance, for metabolic enhancement, and for recovery after injuries and surgery. This is incredible stuff. If you're looking for a natural supplement that boosts your metabolism, helps you grow lean body mass, burns fat, increases libido and energy levels, and helps your body regenerate from your workouts or from injuries or surgeries, take a look at Sir Thrival's Elk Antler. I'm sorry you couldn't hear that, Dr. Wysong, but we got a little kink in the system where you're not being able to hear a video. Anyway, um, I want to tell you how you can get this product to 20% off. 
the promo code is, where is the promo code? Where is the promo code? I lost the promo code. Uh, I know it's going on through the 25th. Did we, did we lose that ad? Oh, well, it's not possible. We may have. Uh, I'll find the promo code for you so we don't get behind here. I don't know what happened to the promo code. Uh, I'm going to give it to you in a minute. So um, I wanted to tell you about saunas. Uh, we enjoy doing saunas every day, every day, every day, because we just like it. And I think you'll like it too. If you've ever uh, seen us uh, or heard us talk about this sauna, it is a relaxed far infrared sauna, the relaxed far infrared sauna. And it is made in Taiwan at a medical university. And just depending off uh, if China takes over Taiwan, I hope we <laughs> they'll take over the university too and shut down the, I don't know. No, they're not going to do that. Anyway, these are great. And these are units that you sit in and uh, they're, they don't have any RF or you know EMFs as commonly known. Now there's some... Um, mm, Magnetic energy, a little bit of magnetic energy and electrical juice at the bottom uh, up towards where you sit. But that's the same thing you get from a juicer or driving and riding a car or, you know, whatever. It's, it's not going to hurt you. And it's great. You get really sweaty and hot and you'll like it. And it's on oneradionetwork.com. The only way to get the, the, um, the, 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 price is to email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. And uh, I'll give you the price, the best price, and just tell me where you live, and then you'll rock and roll. You'll have fun with it. You'll really like that. Just make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Um, if you've been using regular toothpaste since the beginning of time, like I used to, once you find pearl seam. I don't think you'll ever go back to anything else. It's made from pearl. So it's a living source made from pearl and it's a heavy calcium, but it's all a living source, which is the Max Planck Institute. They figured out years ago that that's what you want. That's what you want. It's a living source because, you know, that's the way it goes. This pearl seam. I think you'll like this. Here's a little bit from Rulin Chu on the Pearl Seam. Previously with Dr. Rulin Chu about her product called Pearl Seam. So let's talk about the teeth first. Explain to me what's going on because there's something magical when you dip your little toothbrush in water. Why do they look so sparkly and just, I don't know, something very energetically about the, the look of them. Yeah, it's uh, very, very magical. So like a group of scientists in uh, France discover that when you put the pearl next to the bones or uh, skins or other connective tissues, and they find it stimulates new growth of the bones and skins and connective tissues, and also uh, to make existing bones and the skins uh, more healthy and stronger. So brush your teeth with the pearl, then your teeth will make your existing teeth stronger, and also it will filling up, you know, teeth with the porcium and the pearl powder will stimulate the new bone growth and also make the existing teeth very strong. It's really a great product. You'll love it. 
take it internally or on your teeth, and you can click and order. See the ad right there, Pearl Seam, the nice green container, Pearl Seam, on OneRadioNetwork.com. You're going to really love it. You can take it internally, um, and it can help the body to put a little calcium in the bones. It's the only one calcium kind of product that we would ever recommend. All the other ones are, God knows where the calcium will end up, probably in your arteries. But it is great. So you can get the powder in the green container or also the capsules. And it's on OneRadioNetwork.com. Just brush your teeth with it. We, we interviewed a dentist, uh, Dr. Jared Judd. I don't know. Uh, it must be 30 years ago. And he used to teach in dental school. And he told me on this on the show, and this was on a radio show in Austin, he said that every toothpaste has a thing called glycerin. If you look at any toothpaste, you'll see glycerin is like number one or number two, almost every one of them, even all the natural ones at the hippie food store. And he said, and he taught it at a medical, uh, dental school, that glycerin inhibits the body to remineralize. And the remineralization of the teeth is what keeps them hard and from getting cavities. And he said every toothpaste uh, inhibits remineralization. And I always remember that. This was 30 years ago. So... Use this. Don't use toothpaste. Because who knows? Plus, they got fluoride and stuff in there. So it's on OneRadioNetwork.com, and it's called 